Thank you so much for our sponsor, the Dream Achiever Vacation Planning Tool, for sponsoring our show today. The Vacation Planning Tool will help you be intentional about going on vacations, making memories with your family without going into debt, all before the kiddos leave home for college. If you are interested in finding out more information, you can go to mominspiredshow.com forward slash vacation planning tool. You're listening to the Mom Inspired Show, episode 55 with Katherine Jones. Welcome to the Mom Inspired Show. I'm your host, Amber Sandberg, and this show is created to inspire, encourage, and add a little extra fun to your day. Hey, you guys, Katherine Jones is back on the show today to share with us three of her most memorable trips with her family. She shares with us her highs and her lows for her trips to England with small babies, South Africa with a tween and a teenager, and her most recent trip to Italy with teenagers. She shares with us tips on what made all those trips more pleasurable and successful, as well as what she learned the hard way on those vacations. I hope this show leaves you inspired to step out of your comfort zone and go explore this amazing world and what it has to offer with your kids. Let's go to the show. Catherine, thank you so much for coming back on the show today for part two of this interview. Hi, Amber. I'm so delighted to be here again. Thank you so much for having me back. Yeah. Well, you guys, if you haven't listened to last week's episode, you will want to go back and listen to it because it has so much great information about why Catherine travels with her family, how they do it financially, as well as how to pack and other great tips. So Catherine, as you know, I always love to ask my guests their favorite vacation destination. And since you were on last week and gave us your answer, how about you give us another one that you might like to talk about that we're not talking about within the interview today, your three trips, like a different trip? Yeah, sure. And I am so pleased I get to answer this question twice because it is hard to narrow it down to just one favorite spot. I love Germany and my husband and I traveled there twice before we had kids coming along. So our kids have not been there yet, but we loved it so much uh, when we went uh, early in our marriage that we planned to go again about five years later. And we just love the, um, the countryside and the history and the people and the food and it's just beautiful too. We went both times in October, which when you're not traveling with kids, uh, traveling in shoulder season is the best time to go. And so uh, we are looking forward to taking our kids there in a couple of years. Um, can't wait to get back. So what city do you go to when you go to Germany? Well, uh, in our two different trips, we went to two different areas. The first time we were more in the northern part and we went to Berlin. We kind of based out of Berlin. And then the second time we were in more of the southern region, Bavaria, Munich and so forth and uh, Black Forest. We also went into Austria, which, you know, it's, it's kind of a sister country in that they speak the same language and have a lot of the same cultural aspect to it. Yeah. And now um, some people may think, oh, October, Oktoberfest, and it could be really mm. busy. Mm-hmm. But I actually heard that Oktoberfest really happens in September and in, and goes into the very beginning of October. Are you familiar with that at all? I think that is true. And yeah. we never went for Oktoberfest and never found it to be an issue oh, for us. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, that that's one thing that stood out to me, that if you don't want to go for Oktoberfest and yeah. you don't want to be competing with 
yeah. all the crowds and stuff like that. So, um, yeah. well, Catherine, how about let's do a recap in case people mm-hmm. didn't get a chance to listen to last week. Um, share with us who you are and how many kids you have and where you're from. Yes. My name is Catherine Scott Jones, and uh, I have four children. My son, Jack, is 16. My daughter, Madeline, is 13. And Scott and I have been married 27 and a half years. We lived all that time in the Seattle area, which kind of amazes me because I grew up a, a Navy brat. So before that, I lived all over the place. But for the last half of my life or so, I've been planted here. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I love Seattle. My family lives there. And so I definitely want to get back there. But you know how it is. It's like you only have uh, so much resources (laughs) to go to so many places, even though you would love to go to so many more. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Well, let's jump in. So I wanted to just remind everybody why I'm bringing you on. I wanted to bring you on because you love travel so much as as mm-hmm. I do. And I know that there's so many moms out there that want to travel, but can be reluctant mm-hmm. when it comes to going on vacations with small kids, mm-hmm. especially. And so I love that you've traveled so much with your kids. And I feel like this will really help moms get the confidence that they need to maybe start venturing out. So this episode, we're going to dive into three big trips that you have gone on with your kids, Mm -hmm. and we're going to break them down um, each one. So we're going to start with England. So Mm -hmm. let's jump into that. So how about you share with us your trip to England? What made you decide to go there? How old were your kids when you went and share some highs and lows about the trip? Okay, sounds good. So when... My children were, uh, let's see, Jack was four and Madeline was not quite two. This was in 2004. And it had been a number of years since my husband and I had traveled and we were just getting the itch. You know, when when the kids came along, obviously, we put travel on the back burner for a bit, but we were really eager to travel again. And so uh, we started making plans to go to visit the UK. And um, we chose the we chose England because it was an English speaking country and of a similar culture to ours. And we thought that traveling with little, little kids, that would probably make it easier on us. And indeed it did. And we had never been to England before. So it was new to us. And so, you know, it had that novelty for us, but it was familiar enough that it wasn't daunting uh, with with the littles with us. And another thing that we did to make that really work for us uh, with small children is we decided to invite another family to meet us over there. These are good family friends that we actually hadn't seen for a number of years because they had moved out of our area to uh, Grand Rapids. And uh, we were missing them. They had kids who were just a little bit older than ours, but still in the same age range. And we just kind of started dreaming, like, wouldn't it be fun to connect with these favorite friends of ours over in England? And we also, I should uh, make mention that we did this over Christmas time, and that was a magical time to be spending in England. And so we met up over there and we rented a couple of cottages that were adjacent to each other. We shared a courtyard and then on the other side of us was uh, a tithe barn. So this was uh, these buildings were like a thousand years old and they were renovated and so forth to accommodate. Um, 
guests. But that is how we stayed there. And joining friends over there, what that meant for us is that we, our kids were mutually entertaining to each other. They had automatic playmates. It also gave us some built-in childcare opportunities so that like one couple could watch the kids while the other couple went off, or we might divvy out boys and girls. Uh, my girlfriend and I went out for tea while one evening the the guys went off to the pub. And so, you know, it afforded us some opportunities like that. And um, not to mention that it made some memories for us that are just forever memories. And we continue to look back on those with favor. Yeah, I was going to ask you, um, so how did the whole situation work with having the little kids? And what would Mm -hmm. you say was probably the hardest part about trying to Mm -hmm. pack for them? And just getting them situated. I just feel like a lot of people uh, just thinking about it, get overwhelmed with the thought of traveling on a long flight and then Mm -hmm. the time change and uh, whatnot and just trying to get adjusted. Do you have any tips that you would share in regards to those few things? Yeah, those are all great questions. And so we traveled from the West Coast all the way to England. So that's a fairly long flight. And I will not lie, the flight was the hardest part of the whole trip. But um, once that was behind us, then it was fine. Even with the time change, kids are so resilient. They they adapted to the time change far easier than we did. So really, at least that was our experience. And I think it was our friend's experience too. The kids just snapped right into place into the right time zone. It took us a little bit longer, perhaps. But um, one thing that I did that I would not do again is we took our our child seat, our, our car seats with us, and I would not bother with that again. You don't need them on the airplane, and you I would rent them for the car that you're renting there. So that was just kind of an added inconvenience for us um, that I would avoid next time. And um, so that's one thing that's kind of a don't, I guess, from my perspective. Also, um, we packed enough. We did have one child who was still in diapers. And so we packed enough to last us probably a week or something like that. But we then beyond that, we just bought them over there. There are nappies everywhere. So um, that's not something that you have to Uh, pack a whole lot of. And other than that, uh, packing for the kids, even at that young age, you obviously need to have snacks and toys and that sort of thing for them. But I didn't re I don't recall that it was that much more difficult than it is today to pack for little kids. What about a pack and play or did they provide Mm. wherever you were saying like a crib or something like that? They did provide the crib, so we did not have to worry about that. And that was one thing that when we were making our arrangements for renting these cottages, uh, we just made sure that they had what we needed, and they sure did. And I think most places would. So, yeah, that that was another big bulky item did not need to take. Now, uh, back then, there wasn't Airbnb. And so... Right. What? How did you even find these places, and what do you suggest to people today uh, to use if it be Airbnb or VRBO? I'm not sure how that works um, overseas. I know Airbnb, Airbnb does it, 
But um, I'm just curious how you found those cute cottages without having Airbnb back then. I know. I still look back on that as just a, a godsend to us. I I did not know that those cottages were going to be so magical. But um, so that was just in some ways it was, I'm a little reluctant to say it was the luck of the draw Mm -hmm. because I did do, I did do research. So that is the wonderful thing about the internet is that you can do so much research on the internet and, uh, and so that you really know what you're getting and that helps a lot. Um, yeah. I was going to ask you, did you guys rent a car? Like, did you drive on the other side Mm -hmm. or did you just do, uh, taxis? No, we did rent a car and my husband drove and I'm fortunate in that he is really very fearless when it comes to driving experience like that. Uh, And so that made it easy for us, especially to get around an island nation like that. Yeah. So yeah, we rented a car. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. So um, how about we touch base on your highs and lows before we move on to your next trip uh, in South Africa? Yeah, absolutely. So highs, I I really think are encompassed in the all the planning and preparation that goes into a trip ahead of time. When you're well prepared, then that allows for the unexpected highs to come. And, you know, I have to say at the outset that traveling is an adventure. And when you're talking adventure, that that does mean that not everything goes right, but you want as much to go right as possible. And that's where the planning and preparation comes in. So when you have the groundwork all laid, then that allows for uh, those those big fun moments to bubble up out of that, that is in some ways you can't even plan. Like, for example, one of the highs for us on this trip was uh, one thing we planned, my husband's family is from Wales. And so we did plan a trip over into Wales one time. And um, that was a great experience. But on the way back, driving back, we were tired. We'd been on the road for a bit. And I was eager to get back to the cottages. Um, But as we were driving by, there was this castle off on the side and we saw it coming up and my husband said hey maybe we should stop in and explore that and I was like I just want to get the kids home and uh, not I I wasn't thinking that was an adventure that I wanted at that moment but then at the very last night I mean we were right at the exit and I said oh what the heck let's do it and so we pulled off and this was one of those moments that we uh, we had the place to ourselves. There were no other tourists there. And so we had the whole run of the castle. My kids, uh, you know, a toddler and a preschool, they were just in heaven. And it was just one of those times that you you can't really prepare for it. But because we'd done all our planning ahead of time, and so we knew where we were going, and we didn't have other stresses surrounding us, so we, that allowed this to happen. And so that was just one of those highs for us. And as it turned out later, when we got back home and we did some genealogical research, we discovered that that castle actually had some history for my husband's family. So that was really cool. Yeah, it was really cool. And we didn't know it at the time. So, yeah. And, And I just feel like that it's 
those moments that travel gives as a gift to your family. And that's one of the things I love about it. So anyway, um, going, moving on to other ways that we plan for things so that those moments, highs like that can happen. We pick a place and we plant ourselves there. So that's what I was talking about when we, we rented these cottages and that's where we stayed. And then we day tripped out and, uh, we chose a place in this case, the UK that was family friendly. It was friendly to us because they spoke our language and we, we knew we'd be able to get around. We did our research ahead of time on places that we wanted to go and, and put all the big pieces in first, you know, the big rocks in the, right, and in the, the jar first. Later. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that's right. So we did that and we prioritized ourselves. We chose what sites and experiences were most important to us because with kids, there's a good chance they're not all going to happen. So you want to know ahead of time what what you'd be really disappointed if you didn't get to. And then the last piece is that we scheduled downtime. With family, you just, you have to actually schedule downtime. You you think you may need only one afternoon off, but you're going to need a lot more with kids. It's just the way it is. And uh, so those things allowed, again, those those high moments to bubble up. So I'm just going to um, ask you really quick. So if you feel like people need more than afternoon, um, especially if they're overseas, if you're looking at like they're gone for a week, how, mm-hmm. how much downtime do you feel like is realistic, especially with younger mm-hmm. kids? Like mm-hmm. that to be really honest with yourself to be like, this is what you need so that everybody can be in a good mood and, and not be so tired. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good that's a good question to ask yourself. And I would say we were there for two weeks. And as I look back on it, I think that we probably had two full days. Uh, so, so probably one one full day a week mm, where you just mm-hmm. aren't planning anything. Yeah. And and that might break out differently. Maybe it'd be a half day, two half days or something like that. But I I would say rule of thumb at least one full day a week should be downtime and that doesn't mean you will do nothing it means you don't have anything planned I like that for that day yeah yeah mm-hmm. and yeah. I think that sometimes just gives you a peace peace of mind because I don't know some people like to go boom 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 and um but even if you do like that and you have that personality as an adult, I feel like you have to take into account your, the kids. And so even if oh, yeah. you're kind of like a go, go, go person, I, I think it's just wise to kind of, you know, put that into there so that kids can just have that time of more rest and just do whatever and just kind of be more spontaneous than um, having every single day planned. And one day really isn't that crazy to yeah. just have as a down day. And like you said, you still can go do stuff. It's just that it's not mm-hmm. already planned out, you know, hour by hour. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Yep. That's well said. So as before we move on to the um, South Africa, did we go over any the low of uh, England? Uh, well, my low in England is probably my low in any of the places that we visited, which would be when someone gets sick. And mm-hmm. that is another thing that I'm sorry to say, it just tends to happen. Almost every trip, in fact, I can't think of one 
intern. Oh, yes, there was one international trip, but only one out of five that I'm thinking of where no one got sick. And and I'm not talking big, bad sick. I'm just talking someone gets a cold or gets a stomach bug or something like that, which means you have to deal with it. And and so that's that's the low, maybe that, um, you know, maybe you have to cancel a plan or mom has to one parent has to stay behind, you know, that sort of thing. Um, That said, every single time it's been manageable and we have had our needs met as we've needed. So it's I don't want to scare anyone off. I'm just uh painting, I hope, a realistic picture. <laughs> no, I like that. And, you know, I feel like a big part of it can come from just flying, right? So yes. just um, oh, yes. because <laughs> I feel like when we take trips, when we, we, we have done so many road trips and I feel like we don't really get sick and I feel like, oh, it's because we're not in an airplane. <laughs> it just, there's just so many more germs and, you know, the uncirculated air and you have so many different people and then you're in the airport and you're touching and then you're taking off your shoes and your socks and walking through. The- so, I mean, right there, I feel like it just sets you up to possibly get sick. Um, and then kind of like um, you were saying a stomach bug or even food poisoning, right? So you just... You just never know. So I, I like that you point that out. But it, it didn't scare you guys. You still kept traveling, which which I like. So um, how about we move into South Africa? And how about you share with us what made you decide to travel there? And can you share with us how old your kids were at the time when you went there? Yes. So we went to, we actually were aiming specifically for Swaziland, which is a, a country that is a kind of, it's embedded uh, three quarters in South Africa. And we went there for a specific reason. We have extended family who operate an orphan farm home school there, and we sponsor children there. And so we went to meet our sponsored children and to spend a week helping out at the school and on the farm. So that was our our intended purpose for being going to Swaziland, for getting us all the way down to this south end of Africa. But while we were there, we did also spend a week in neighboring South Africa on the coast and uh, doing all the things that people go to Africa to do, safaris and that sort of thing. So, uh, And my kids at the time were, Jack was 13, Madeline was 10, and that put our kids in what we talked about the last time, what I considered to be the sweet spot where the kids are old enough to really be independent and capable and have some stamina, but still young enough that they're compliant and just happy with whatever situation we find ourselves in. Yeah, I was just thinking, um, when we went to South Africa for a mission trip, we went to Cape Town, and that flight is so long. (laughs) (laughs) It's a long flight. It's a long (laughs) flight for adults. And so, um, uh, you know, so I I think that, you know, when I think about traveling with the kids and and thinking about the places that I want to go that are really far, I do think like them being a little bit older, kind of like what your kids were um, before Mm -hmm. start making that long leg, just because it's just, it's really hard Mm -hmm. to sit that long, even for adults and teenagers or preteens, but, you know, trying to do that with really young kids might be a little bit challenging. Um, So I was going to ask you, when you are thinking about your trips, 
Because I, mm-hmm. I can see, um, you know, moms sitting there thinking, okay, so I want to go here, 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 you know, before the kids graduate. And that was the whole thing, you know, um, with the vacation planning tool that I've created is how many more mm-hmm. summers do you have left before your kids graduate? So you right. really only have so much time, especially if you are trying to wait for them to get out of the baby phase and maybe being two or three, but then you start getting into school age, right? And then that's a whole different restriction. And then, and then once they're in kindergarten, you only have 12 more summers or less depending on how how old they are. So when you are mapping out this in your mind and with your husband, and and I'm sure now you're including your kids, you know, that they're older, Mm -hmm. how are you figuring out when you want to go where and how mm-hmm. are those places getting even put down on paper to, hmm. to, to like to make a priority? Because I could see that this could be overwhelming because I feel like so many yeah. people are thinking, I want to go everywhere. And then they just go nowhere. Right. Yeah. Oh, so true. And uh, I guess I'll kind of start with a, um, a negative on that in that we have wanted to go to Australia and Me that too. was actually, on our, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it was on our list, but we decided that we needed to drop that from our list, at least while the kids are in school, because, yeah. because uh, of the reversal in seasons. Yes. 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 And I've already so thought we, about this. Yes. Because yeah. they would, you would have the ideal time is Christmas break. And yeah. so, and which is really expensive. And, um, and then like, I feel like you have to go for a long time because uh, of the I time. Think that's not long enough. Yeah. Yeah. I, exactly. Right. And so, and I, I don't know, I don't know if I told you this. So I lived in Australia when I was 11. Oh, no. 10, I yeah. Didn't 10 know to that. 11. Yes. And so I've always wanted to go back uh, with my yeah. kids and with my husband. And so um, I'm always like, that's always on my brain, kind of like, how is this going to work? Like, and I, and I, just like you, I'm like, yeah, this is almost going to have to be. But even that, even with some, I'm thinking in my, in my brain right now, not saying it out loud to you guys, but even college that's still restricted. Like, so it's like, oh my gosh. So uh, like, and then that's, you have to wait for the youngest one to graduate. Well, then the older one could be married. I mean, who knows? Like depending (laughs) on like the, how far apart in age. Right. So then I'm like, oh my gosh, like, are we ever going to go back? So I totally understand that. And and I really want to do that. And I want to hit New Zealand when I'm out there because- like to go back again and be like right over there. But then that means you're going to be there for a long time. So I totally get what you're saying. So, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So we have reluctantly, at least for now, uh, put Australia out of our sights again, just for now, we'll have to see how things pan out, but it's (laughs) not, it's not on our short list, but uh, one of the things that is on our short list is, uh, well, I mentioned that we want to get the kids to Germany, but part of what's driving that is, in addition to our wanting to get back to Germany, is that our daughter uh, has dreamed about going to Paris for a long time. And so we are starting to think that when she turns 16, oh, would be so a fun, fun year. Yes. Yeah. Fun, fun year to get her there. And uh, another thing that just makes us kind of earmark that for her is that she is a, a leap day baby. And so she doesn't have a real birthday very oh, often. Oh man. Yeah. And does it fall so, on the, does her 16th fall on yeah. it? Oh my goodness. That's awesome. So, <laughs> we'll see, we'll see uh, how that pans out. But sure. anyway, you were asking about yeah. how we, yeah. how we plan right. these things. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of it is just 
where where we're dreaming, right? And um, so that's part of my daughter's dream. And so we and I, it's unbelievable to me, but I've not been to Paris. All the times we've been to to Europe, neither of us have been to yeah, Paris. I've never so been to Paris. Be yeah. First for us. yeah, yeah. So that would be a great yeah. experience for her. Yeah. So I think it really comes down a lot to where do you want to go and and where kind of your family personality. And I think that your tool that you're creating is <laughs> perfect for that to help zero in on that. And uh, because every family's travel plans are going to look different from anyone else's. Yeah, right. And and that is why we created that tool, because it really makes you think about how many years do we have left with the kids being um, yes. in, in the house? And then what's realistic? Kind of like what we were just talking about Australia. It really makes you think, can we do this or no? And then yes. do you have to kind of put some trips to the side, which then means, okay, well then let's bring in these trips, how much it's going to cost. And then, um, and then it just helps you kind of figure out how much you need to save for it without going into debt. Um, but I do think you have to be very intentional about it, especially when you're thinking about these big types of trips, just like you were saying, your daughter's 16th birthday. Well, if you weren't being yeah. intentional about it, that would probably come and go and you're like, oh, I didn't save anything. Exactly. So we can't go. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So the intentionality is so key. I think it it just is not going to happen unless you are making that a high priority. Exactly. Well, let's circle back to South Africa. How about you share with us the highs and the lows before mm -hmm. we move on to your last trip, which is Italy? Yes. So one thing I just wanted to mention in terms of, uh, I guess I would umbrella this under the highs is again, hitting on the planning ahead of time. And you and I, Amber, were just talking about how long a flight it is mm -hmm. <laughs> to get down to, yes. uh, down to especially the Southern part of Africa. And what made that a lot more doable for us is how we planned our layover. And so we're traveling from Seattle. We flew from Seattle to, we chose to fly into Heathrow. And then from Heathrow, London, we went down to Johannesburg. And that broke the two legs. Uh, those two flights were approximately 10 hours each. I think it was about nine from here to Heathrow, and then maybe close to 11 uh, down to Joburg. And we also took time to get off the plane and out of the airport in London. And so we made that just a little mini, I mean, a mini, mini vacation, but we spent uh, several hours in London stretching our legs taking pictures, doing the tourist thing, which put us in a far better position to get back on that airplane for another flight. And so I think that's another really important consideration. If you've got a long, uh, a destination that's a very far way away, really consider how you can work your layover into that. I love that. And I just feel like sometimes just getting out of the airplane itself and the airport and just into mm -hmm. fresh air, even if it was raining, just to have that oh, fresh yeah. air. Cause if you're, if you're flying 20 hours, so 10 and 10, yeah. I mean, that is a long time to just be inside of anything. So just to get outside, feel the fresh air, see the scenery. I just feel like it can change your mindset and your mood just by doing that. Totally. Yep. It, it's, it's worth it. It, 
requires some extra planning and uh, you may not think that you want to expend the energy to do that, but honestly, I, I wouldn't do it any other way. So would you also say one of your highs was the safari or what, what oh, did you think about yes. that? Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. Sorry. We can't get out of Africa without talking about the safari. <laughs> <Yeah>. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. And that is just uh, unbelievable. And seeing those majestic animals up close and anyone who ever goes on a safari comes home with stories of those encounters and um, yeah. They're magical, aren't they? They are. And you know, we had, um, so we had this dinner and it was dark out. And I remember it was within on the land of the safari. And um, so I didn't set up because we went on a mission trip. So things were organized. So I didn't have my hands in it as much like to understand like what is all happening. You're just kind of like going along with the group. And I just remember thinking, what? We're eating dinner outside. Like there was like, I mean, there was like walls of some kind and um. I just kept thinking it's dark out and there's lions roaming around, but there was, there was men with guns. I mean, stationed all around, but I was just kind of like, I don't know about this, but you know, it makes for a great story and and it's exciting, but I just kept thinking it's nighttime. There's lions roaming around and we're eating food that they can smell. (laughs) It seems to be tempting fate. (laughs) Yeah. And so I definitely hope to, you know, be able to give the girls that opportunity as well. Um, But again, it's like another thing where you have to think like, okay, so when do you go? It's a long trip. So when did you go? What uh, what month did you take your kids? We went in August mm-hmm. and that was at the tail end of their winter. And it was quite pleasant. It, it was cooler than even we'd been warned that the evenings especially yes. were mm-hmm. quite chilly. And even being warned, I don't think we took that quite seriously enough. <laughs> yeah, I went in October and um we went on a very early safari ride and I was yeah. freezing. Freezing. <laughs> yeah. So you think Africa and you're like, "No, I was freezing." Like if yeah. you you see pictures of me and I have a hood on and it's like pulled to the point where you only see my eyes and I was still freezing cold. So I mean, you just don't think yeah. Africa, oh, cold. No, it does get cold. It does get cold when there is no sun. Now, once the sun came up, then it warmed up pretty quickly. But before sunrise, yeah, freezing. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Hey, you guys, have you ever thought about how many summer vacations you have left until your kids graduate? Seriously, have you ever stopped to calculate? Have you stopped to think that when your baby hits kindergarten age, you only have 12 summers left before they reach adulthood and head off on their own? If you're anything like me, that realization just hit me like a ton of bricks last year when my oldest was in kindergarten. 12 summers to make amazing memories with my kids, 12 summers to travel and adventure and explore all together. But I know what it's like to feel overwhelmed with the realization of running out of time, but not knowing where on earth am I going to find the extra time to plan an epic family adventure. I know what it's like to want it to happen, but not having the time or money or other resources to get you there. And I know how the stress can add up and make it feel impossible. And that's why we created the Dream Achiever Vacation Planning Tool. 
because it doesn't have to feel impossible. We created a course which includes five video trainings and one actionable download for planning and applying to your own personal life. So if you're someone who needs an action plan, something laid out step-by-step so you can follow the tool from a place of overwhelm to actually having a vacation plan in place, this is for you. So these vacations will no longer just be a dream, but with the vacation planning tool, you will have a concrete plan to make it a reality for your family. So to learn more, you can go to mominspiredshow.com forward slash vacation planning tool. Moving on to your last trip, which was your most recent trip, and it was to Italy. How about you share Mm -hmm. with us what made you decide to go to Italy and Mm -hmm. how old were your kids? And we'll go over the highs and the lows for this trip as well. Sure. So Italy, uh, another one of those kind of iconic places that Americans think that they want to get to. And we were in that camp and my husband and I had actually considered going there on our 25th anniversary a couple of years ago. And we're heading in that direction. And for whatever reason, it didn't feel right. I, well, I think the reason was we realized we wanted to take the kids. We didn't want to do that particular experience without our kids. So we ended up going to Ireland, which is great for us. But um, And our kids wouldn't have been quite as interested in Ireland. So when it came time last year to figure out where we wanted to go, we uh, Italy sounded like a good, a good uh, spot for us. So... We chose that and our kids at the time were 13 and 16, what they are now. Our son actually turned 16 when he was over there. And um, this was just kind of getting back to the sweet spot idea again. They were a little bit out of the sweet spot. So we had to do a little bit more negotiating with them sometimes on our activities and that sort of thing. But um, even, even with that, it was still wholly enjoyable. It just means that your kids aren't maybe as, uh, well, they have their own opinions by this time. So, uh, and mine certainly did. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that because I feel like people would think, oh, you know, traveling with teenagers. I mean, when you, when you say that, you're kind of like, well, that just sounds silly because you just think about teenagers. But if you're thinking about it compared to infants and toddlers, I can see how people would push all their trips off to go when they're teenagers. Um, yeah. but, but there's just pros and cons to everything. Right. And so, um, there are. With, mm-hmm. with them being teenagers, you're just finding that you just can't plan the trips that, the, that the way you and your husband just want it, that you have to involve them. And, um, what are some other things that stood out to you that you're like, Oh yes, we're traveling with teenagers. Is anything else yeah. that stands out to you that to let people know to kind of be like, so don't be alarmed. <laughs> Right. Well, um, maybe not so much in that camp, but uh, just that when your kids are older, you do need to start thinking about them in terms of uh, their what they're leaving at home. Like it could be a job and it or it could be friends that they are really reluctant to part with and, and that sort of thing. So that's just another part of their being teenager yes. that makes it a little less easy. Yeah. Um, Like I know that one day, for example, when my son was, we had to leave him in the room because he was sick and he spent the whole day, um, I think he was on Instagram. He was communicating with his friends back home. (laughs) So he's like, this (laughs) is awesome. (laughs) Exactly. So, you know, not a bad thing, but he's certainly missing his friends. 
Yeah, I was thinking about that. And like you said, a, the, a job, you know, if they have jobs or, mm-hmm. you know, um, just anything that they may be trying to do or studying for, uh, you know, SATs or, you know, like that they might have classes that are getting them ready for that. It's just you have to work around different things that you didn't have to do when they were younger. Um, yes. What would you say your high was uh, for Italy? Uh, let's see. Highs. We had... Well, our very favorite place that we visited in Italy was Assisi, and that is in Umbria. It's east of Tuscany, and that was toward the end of our trip, and we just were not expecting Assisi to be as just gorgeous and unspoiled as it was, and uh, it certainly had its degree of touristiness. <laughs> it had lots of tourist shops. It had lots of kitsch. But I I personally found it charming. And other than that, it really felt so more unspoiled than any other place we'd been. And a, another element to that was that a lot of the cities that we'd visited, like Siena and Florence and Rome, there are high admittance charges for just about anything that you want to see. And that was not the case in Assisi, where most of the uh, big sites to see are churches and so forth. And they were all free admission. And so that was a lovely surprise, because otherwise, when you're traveling with a family, that can add up pretty quickly. for sure. yeah. 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 I mean, when I just think about Europe, I just kind of think a la carte, like everything's just boom, 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 like with price. Yeah. So Catherine, as we're almost at the end of the show, uh, what would you say your low was for Italy (laughs) before we close up? Well, and I'm sorry to end on a low note, but perhaps it can be framed as a cautionary tale. Sure. Other other I <laughs> so like that. that moms okay good <laughs> so the moms out there will not be caught in the same situation that we were uh, one of the hardest moments that we had in Italy was right at the end as we were leaving when we were departing and so we were flying out of the the airport the Rome airport and we arrived with two hours until our flight, which is really bare minimum of what you want, right? When you are flying internationally, but we were Wait, told so how by, long do you how long do you want um for uh when you're traveling internationally? What's well, ideal? Two yeah, two hours bare, bare, bare minimum. Oh, okay. But I would so I anything would say, more than that's better. <laughs> yes, definitely. Especially when you hear my story. Okay. I can't wait. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> but uh we we felt we were okay cutting it that close because everyone assured us that two hours would be fine. So we thought, okay, these people know their airport, so uh should should be good. So we arrived there with two hours to spare until we needed to catch our flight. And we were heading to London for a brief layover and then on to Seattle. And so we arrive at the Rome airport and are dropped off by our driver and we walk in and we find where um, our airline and instead of clearly marked chutes or lines directing us to the proper counter, what we found in front of our airline was this mass of people. And I mean, I would say at least at least 100, probably probably far more than that, probably like 200 people gathered haphazardly in this crowd in front of the counter. And we knew which 
line we were supposed to be in, but there was no end to the line. There was just this mass crowd and no one knew where any end of a line was. And of course, half the people there didn't speak English, so we couldn't figure that out. No one could. So we inserted ourselves as best we could into this crowd, knowing we were surely cutting in someone else's line, but not knowing what else to do. We had to start somewhere. And the everyone around us was conf- as confused as we were, getting angry, getting frustrated. And we waited an hour in this crowd to kind of just be pushed forward to the front of it-ish. And finally, we're kind of at the head of it, and we find we are in the wrong line. I mean, <laughs> as far oh, as can no. be determined. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So we waited an hour in the wrong spot. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yep. So now we are an hour to our flight, and we just went forward to the counter, and we're hoping that the agent would be merciful for us. It was, you know, the same airline, but uh, we just hoped that she would help us anyway. But she would not. And so we had an unhelpful agent. We had an uptight crowd behind us. And we now had one hour until our flight left and 30 minutes until our gate closed. So we tried explaining our dilemma, which, which, you know, put us in the same place as half the crowd behind us. But the woman, the agent was not going to budge. And Mm. she sent us back to wait. She pointed, she said, you need to go to the back of the line, the back of the crowd, whatever that was. And this, uh, at that point, I just, I, I refused. I just stood there and I shook my head. I said, no, we're going to miss our flight. And that, I am such a rule follower. I can't even tell you how much nerve that took, but it didn't work because she stood up and started coming toward me and I was afraid she was going to call security. So we realized we were beaten and we went and got at the back of the clump with still no idea where to find our proper line. We kept waiting for someone to take control, for someone, for some agent to come out and say, here, people, here's the line for this counter. Here's the line for that counter, but no one did. And so we're getting, it's like 45 minutes now till our flight leaves. And my husband and I are starting to look at each other and say, we are going to miss our flight. We're going to miss our flight. What are we going to do? And so Mm. we started down that path, you know, just uh, resigning ourselves to that inevitability and to start making our plans. And just, I mean, truly, if it had been, if two more minutes had passed, we wouldn't have made it. But at that point, an agent finally did step out and ask, is there anyone who's supposed to be on flight number, whatever it was. Mm. And I shot my hand up in the air (laughs) and, (laughs) and so moved ahead of all these people who were glaring at us and, and even then, the agent who was helping us kept looking at her watch, and she knew it was going to be awfully tight. And um, we ended up just running through the airport, and we were the last people on the plane. So, wow. Yes. Um, pr- uh, so the moral of that story is <laughs> a couple of things. One, um, actually several things. I- I'll tell you what we did wrong. One, we did not. Um, we did not do our 
check in online ahead of time. We should have done that from the hotel. We've never had a problem with this before, you know, on the return. We always just do it at the airport. But from now on, I would make every effort to do your check in online before you get to the airport. Also, we did not allow enough time. So mm-hmm. I, you know, I would say if you're at an unfamiliar airport, make it make your arrival three hours ahead of time. So um, anyway, we managed to get out, but we for several hours, we did not think we would. That is, yeah, talk about stressful. And, and by oh, the time you're ready to get home too, you're just kind of done. Right. So you're just like, I want to get there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I appreciate you sharing all those things. I I feel like those are such great tips for everyone. So as we wrap up, uh, Catherine, where can people find you? Um, We want your social media handles and your website. Sure. So I'm CatherineScottJones.com. And that is just the best place to find me from there. You can get uh, you can connect with me on Instagram and Twitter and Pinterest and that sort of thing. But um, CatherineScottJones.com is my home base. Awesome. Well, Catherine, thank you so much for coming back on the show today. I had so much fun talking about all these different countries that you have traveled to. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you, Amber. Hey, you guys, have you ever wondered if you have a vacation personality? Like, do you ever think, you know what? I really like to do this, but my spouse really likes to do something completely different. Well, you can go and take the vacation personality quiz I created and it's free. All you have to do is go to mominspiredshow.com forward slash vacation personality quiz. It's really quick and a lot of fun. And make sure you click through all the way so that you get your customized vacation personality results, and the perfect vacation places for your personality sent directly to you. So you guys, I hope that you enjoyed all this travel talk that we did today with Catherine Jones, and I will see you next week. 